swamp. Amen? That's good enough for that. Let's take our Bibles. Let's open up the scripture. And I did all that in 10 minutes. That's pretty good. I didn't intend to go that long. But uh, when I see those people, my heart just uh, uh, does something. And I could talk about them all night. The book of Nehemiah, if you would, tonight. The book of Nehemiah. I want you to go to chapter number 1. Nehemiah chapter number 1 tonight. And if you don't mind, would you please stand as we reverence the reading of God's word tonight. Nehemiah chapter number 1. Nehemiah chapter number 1. I want you to look down at verse number 4. The Bible says, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. By the way, I wrote outside that verse in my Bible, what will you do? Notice what this man did. The Bible says he sat down, he wept, he mourned, he fasted, he prayed. I wonder what we'll do. Look at chapter 2, verse 5, would you please? Chapter 2, verse 5. And I said unto the king, if it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me into Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. Look at chapter 2, verse 13. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Look at verse 17. Then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Let's pray. Father, we do ask that you'd meet with us tonight. Lord, your people have worked hard today and they're tired. But they've gathered here because this is important. And Lord, they want to hear from you. Lord, if you do not meet with us, this is wasted time. And certainly we want it to be productive time. Please, Lord, speak to our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. In 1971, it started in Little Rock, Arkansas. The FedEx company actually started in Little Rock, and after just a short, brief period of time, it moved to Memphis, Tennessee. You know, the founder there, Fred Smith, and his story, it's a remarkable story. You've probably heard the story before, but when Mr. Fred Smith was at Yale, he submitted a paper. It was a term paper for one of his classes. Fred Smith thought that he knew a way that could revolutionize the overnight delivery system. And so he placed that concept in term paper form 
delivered it to the teacher. It's interesting, in 1968 when the teacher read it and studied it and graded it, the teacher gave him a C. In other words, she, or he did not give him an A, and here's what he said. The concept is interesting and well-formed, but in order for it to be better than a C, it must be probable. The concept is not feasible. Now, I find that interesting, 1968. Fred Smith thought that he could revolutionize the overnight delivery system, had a good concept, delivered the paper. The teacher said, I like the way the paper is hooked together. Obviously, you did all those things correctly. However, in order for you to get an A, the concept has to be probable. It has to be something that would work. Don't miss this. Fred Smith saw a way that he could revolutionize the overnight delivery system. The Yale teacher said, it's not feasible. Another interesting story, 1876. William Orton, in 1876, owned Western Union. The telegraph system at that time was the latest communication system. Lines all over the United States, the poles and lines were in place. It's interesting, there was a man that offered him a patent for $100,000. The man's name was Alexander Graham Bell. He offered him a patent for $100,000, which, by the way, is a lot of money. It was a lot of money in 1876. It's still a lot of money. You'll find that William Orton looked at the patent, looked at the concept. Here was his response. After careful consideration of your invention, while it is a very interesting novelty, we have come to the conclusion that it has no commercial possibility. What use could this company make of such an electric toy. He said, keep your patent, Mr. Alexander Graham Bell. He did. Started his own company two years later, bought out William Morton, and that patent has become the most uh, expensive patent in the history of the United States. One man, don't miss this, one man saw it as a way to revolutionize communication. Another man said, nothing but a toy. Interesting. Two different perspectives. We just had the Super Bowl. I am not a fan of Tom Brady. And uh, if you are, I'm sorry, I'm just not. In fact, really not a fan of Super Bowl. But I found it to be very interesting regarding Tom Brady. He was picked 199th in the draft. That means 29 teams passed on him six times before he was ever drafted. It's incredible. The man's stats in his 20s alone were Hall of Fame worthy stats. In his 30s, stats, just in his 30s, he had Hall of Fame worthy statistics. In his 40s, with two Super Bowls, and all his stats in his 40s, Hall of Fame worthy stats just in his 40s. But 29 teams said, nah, don't see anything. But one team said, I'll give you a chance. Isn't it interesting, the different perspectives there? Take your Bible, look at the book of Nehemiah. I want you to see something. Nehemiah chapter number 2. I want you to look down at verse number 17. Don't miss the message tonight. This is obviously the story of Nehemiah. 
the very summary of the book of Nehemiah is the walls are broken down. Nehemiah is going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and revitalize the city. In verse 17 of chapter 2, this is Nehemiah speaking. Then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Here's a man, Nehemiah, as you'll read the story in the context, early in the morning, he begins to uh, go around the entire city, he begins to survey the city, he surveys the debris, he surveys the broken down walls, the burned out gates. And in verse 17, as he looks there, he says, I see a wall, let's rebuild the very walls of Jerusalem. And in his mind, he can see the wall, the beauty, the structure, the protection, the revitalization of the city of Jerusalem. Let me show you something else. Look at chapter 4. Look at verse number 2. This is regarding Sanballat and his cronies. In verse number two, here's what the Bible says. And he spake before his brethren. These are those who are in opposition to Nehemiah and those who are in opposition to the Lord. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in the day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish? which are burned, notice he said, will they, the Bible says, will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the what? What's the next word? Rubbish. Here's a man standing basically in the same place of Nehemiah. Nehemiah looks and he sees a finished wall. He sees the beauty. He sees the revitalization. He sees the protection of a wall. And then here's another man standing in the same place his perspective is totally different. All he sees is rubbish. My question tonight is, what do you see? Do you see a wall or do you see rubbish? His name is Thomas Magomai. He is a Yappese man in Guam. And most people in Guam look down at the Micronesians because they claim that they are the source of all the problems in Guam. They have their own little area. They'll get about a half acre of land. Seven or eight of them will build a little one-room structure. They share the same electricity. They have an outhouse. They have very little. Most people shun them. Nathan came to our church, his son. I said, Nathan, I'm going to go visit your dad. So I go visit Thomas Magomai. I walk into his house or, or into his little one-room shack there. He's actually coming out. He's got a pair of shorts beer cans everywhere, no shirt. I said, thank you, Mr. Thomas Magomai, for allowing your son to come to our church. I said, Thomas, I said, I'll tell you, like I tell everyone, it's my requirement as a missionary, three things. Number one, God loves you. Number two, God sent his son to die for you. Number three, if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, he'll save you. We talked. About an hour later, Thomas Magomai knelt right down there in his front yard, and he received Jesus Christ as his Savior. He became born again. Thomas Magomai, I showed you in that picture, drives our van every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Brought his wife to church the next day. My wife led her to Christ, the most faithful people we've got. You see, there was a society that said they're rubbish, but I'm glad I saw a wall. 
His name is Teven. Teven is about 12 years old, and Teven's one of those boys that just wreaks havoc on everything. <laughs> Every bus route has a Teven. Every Sunday school class has a Teven. Every school class has a Teven. Every church has a Teven. Teven's just thrown Monday through Thursday. He lives with his mom, gets out of school on Friday. They take him to the ranch. They just throw him there. He just goes from house to house to house. The other day, I'm driving through there and uh, the big sword grass there, and all of a sudden, I see a hog running out, and I'm thinking, wow, a hog. And then three seconds later, here comes Teven out of the grass with a, with a uh, machete chasing him. And anyway, it's funny. We, I said, jump in the truck. He jumped in the truck. We went after the hog and ran him down this road, and there's a guy there with a gate, and the hog ran in. We tried to get the hog, and the guy said, no, it's on my property. So anyway, we lost. Uh, but that's just Teven. Teven didn't know how to play ball, so I had some ball equipment shipped over, and I'd take him down to the ball field. I taught him how to catch a ground ball. Taught him how to throw a baseball. Taught him how to hit a baseball, how to catch a fly ball. You know, most people look at Teven and they see rubbish. I see a wall. Sunday school teacher, how do you see that class? Listen to me tonight. If you're working on a van or a bus, how, how do you see that route? The ministry that you're involved in, what do you see? Do you see a wall or do you see rubbish? Two men basically standing in the same place. One man saw a wall. One man saw rubbish. And I'm going to tell you tonight, I hope that we can change our perspective tonight. When it comes to missions, many people say, oh, it's just a waste of money. We're sending money to do this and sending money to do that. But there are others that say, I see a wall. I see God doing something. As a matter of fact, take your Bible there to the, in the book of Nehemiah. Let me show you five groups of people. You decide which group you're in tonight. I want you to look at first at chapter 2, verse number 17, the verse that we already read. Five groups of people. Notice their perspective. Chapter 2, verse 17. Then said I unto them, you're the distress that we are in. Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. This is Nehemiah. He is a visionary. Listen to me. He's a visionary. He looks and he sees something. Oh, the wall's not completed, but he sees a completed product. He looks and I realize there's debris and there's trash everywhere, but he sees the beauty of the wall. He sees the protection that it will afford. He sees the revitalization that will come as a result of this wall. And he is a visionary. Show me a visionary in a church and I'll show you someone who sees a wall. They do not see rubbish. Amen. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. And I would hope in your ministry and in your work in the local New Testament church, I hope that your perspective changes tonight. When it comes to missions, I hope your perspective changes tonight. Because a visionary sees a wall. What do you see tonight? A wall or rubbish? Here's another one. Take your Bible and look at chapter uh, number 4, if you would. Chapter number 4. Look down at verse number 6. Here's another group of people, chapter 4, verse 6. The Bible says this. The Bible says, so built we the wall. And the wall was joined together with the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. The first category is the visionary. Number two is the laborer. Preacher, you know this to be true. You show me someone in a local New Testament church that is involved in the work of the church. And I'll show you someone who will always see a wall. They never see rubbish. 
It's the people who are on the sideline. It is the spectator that says, let the staff do it. Let someone else do it. Let this group do it. Let the young people do it. They are the ones who only see rubbish. But show me someone who is involved in the work of God, and they always see a wall. Tonight, do you see a wall, or do you see rubbish? I see the visionary. I see the laborer. Matter of fact, look at chapter 4. Look down at verse number 17. Notice what the Bible says. Chapter 4, verse number 17. The Bible says, They which builded on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, every one with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand he held a weapon. Here's a third group. They're called the fighters. Amen? The warriors. Show me someone who's fighting the fight, I'll show you someone who sees a wall. Amen? You show me the child of God that's willing to fight the world, the flesh, the devil, and I realize it's a costly work, and I realize that sometimes that particular fight is a continuous fight, and I realize that it never stops, but the reality is if you get in there and fight, you'll see a wall rather than rubbish. The fighter always sees a wall. The fighter always sees a wall. It's the one on the sideline that refuses to fight. You can only see rubbish. I wonder tonight, do you see a wall or do you see rubbish? Here's another one, chapter 4, verse 2. We've already read it. Chapter 4, verse 2. They spake the, uh, the, and he spake before his brethren the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones of the heaps of rubbish which are burned? This is the opposition. Amen? The visionary always sees a wall. The laborer will always see a wall. The warrior will always see a wall. But the opposition only sees rubbish. Let me tell you why I want to see a wall tonight. Because I don't want to be associated with those who are against God's work. Amen? And those who are against, the Sanballats, the Tobias, the Geshams, the very <laughs> enemies in the book of Nehemiah, they can only see rubbish, and opposition always sees rubbish. Do not put me in their category. I wonder tonight, what do you see? Do you see a wall? Do you see rubbish? Hey, here's another group. This one's sad. Look at chapter 4, verse 10. And Judah said, oh my, this is part of... Nehemiah's team. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of the burden is decayed. And there's much what? This is the category of the discouraged. And here's what I find, preachers. Sometimes people in the work of God get discouraged. And their perspective changes. And they no longer see the beauty of a wall. All they can see is rubbish. His name is Jerome. Racular. He was one of my best friends on Guam. I did a Bible club. One day, a little fellow by the name of Stassen came to the Bible club, and he was going back to his house, and I was driving by as he was going back to his house, and there was an old man with uh, a walker stepping up into his house, and I went by, and he stepped out, and he flagged me down. He said, Pastor, and I said, sir, I said, thank you for letting your grandson come to the Bible club. He said, you're a pastor, right? I said, yes, sir, I'm a pastor. He said, I was going to a Chukis congregation on the island. The preacher called me up a few weeks ago and said, too far. He can't come and pick me up. He said, could you give me a ride to church? 
I said, you better believe it. So I'll be by tomorrow morning. I came by the next morning, and I picked Mr. Jerome up, and he had his walker and brought his wife. He was about 70. She was about 68, Miss Veronica. Brought him to church, and, man, he loved it. He said, can I come back tonight? Yes, sir, I'll pick you up tonight. I said, we even have church on Wednesday night. He said, I'll go. Jerome got saved. We baptized him in the ocean. Took us a while to get him out there where it was deep enough where we could baptize him. His wife got saved, baptized. Jerome, so faithful. One of the best friends. He was a retired school teacher from the island of Yap, living on a pension uh, of $400 a month. That's all he had to his name. And uh, just lived in a little one-room wooden play. They had a mat that they rolled up. You could go inside during the day. At night, they rolled out the mat, and that's what they slept on. But you see, Jerome, an older man with a walker, there was a preacher that saw only rubbish and said, I can't pick you up, but I saw a wall. Some said, I didn't have time for you. I'm glad I saw a wall. Some said, it's too far. We can't get you to church. But I saw a wall. I'll tell you more about Jerome later on. But he's been very instrumental in getting a lot of people saved and baptized. Because I saw a wall. Not rubbish. I wonder tonight, very simple question. What do you see? Sunday school teacher, what do you see? I mean, you don't put much effort into your class because you just see rubbish. Why don't you change your perspective tonight and see a wall? Amen? Those of you who are working in outreach, make sure you see a wall. I don't care what work it is. If it's the work of the local New Testament church, it's the greatest work in all the world, and our perspective needs to change tonight. It is a wall. It is not rubbish. When it comes to missions, it's not a waste of time. It's not a waste of money. It is not rubbish. It is a wall. What do you see tonight? Let me help you change your perspective tonight. Go to chapter 4. I'll give you four quick things. Look at Nehemiah chapter number 4. I'll give you these four quick things. We'll be done. This will help you change your perspective tonight. Maybe you see rubbish. I want you to see a wall. Here's how it can work for you tonight. I want you to first look at chapter 2, verse 17. You say, we keep reading the same verse. Yes, maybe you'll get it. Verse 17, then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste. The gates thereof are burned with fire, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Also in chapter 4, you'll see it. Number one, here's what I'm going to just simply say when it comes to your focus. Number one, keep your focus on the wall itself. Now listen, you can go from the Nehemiah chapter 1 all the way to the end of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah never took his focus off that wall. Never took his focus off. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. He saw the beauty of it. He saw the structure of it. He saw the protection that it afforded. He saw the revitalization that would come. And it was a wall that he saw. Listen, it was a wall that made Nehemiah sit down. It was a wall that made Nehemiah weep. It was a wall that made Nehemiah mourn. It was a wall that made him fast. It was a wall that made him pray. It was a wall that made him appeal to the king and risk everything he had. It was a wall that made him get up before anyone else. It was a wall that made him organize the work crew. It was a wall that allowed him to finish it. He kept his eye on the wall. Don't be deterred. Keep your eye on the wall. Amen? 
Whatever job that you have in a local New Testament church, whatever task you have here at Central Baptist Church, keep your focus on the wall. It's not rubbish. It is a wall. Keep your focus there. Number two, here's the second thing. Look at chapter number four. Not only keep your focus on the wall, look at chapter four, verse number 21. The Bible says this, chapter 4, verse 21. So we labored in the work. Half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Look at chapter 4, verse 6. The Bible says, so built we the wall, and the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Look at chapter 6, verse 3. The Bible says, and I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Keep your focus on the wall. Number two, I just say this. Keep your focus in the work. Keep working. Keep working. Keep working. Don't stop. It's the only way that you're going to be able to see a wall. Keep working. I know it's difficult work. I know that it's disputed work. I know that it's desolate work. I know it's discouraging work. But it's the work that God's called us to do. And I want you to keep your hand in the work because a worker will always see a wall. They never see rubbish. Amen? You say, give us something deep tonight. Keep your focus on the wall. Keep your hand and your focus in the work. It's hard, but keep doing it. Three weeks ago, Monday morning, a lady calls our house. Her name is Miss Monette. Miss Monette's a Filipino lady. She calls our house 10 o'clock, grabbed the phone. My wife grabs it. She runs in there. What's wrong, Miss Monette? She said, they've got them. The sea has them. I said, Miss Monette, what, 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 what's wrong? She goes, the sea, the sea has them. The sea has them. I said, where are you? She finally spelled it out. She was down at Tegeson. I said, Miss Monette, I'll be there in just a minute. Give me about 10 minutes. I can get there. I get down there to the beach area at Tegeson. I pass an ambulance on my way. Miss Monette and her husband, Brother Bruce, came to our island in December. December 13th, they landed. They came over to help us start a serviceman center. They brought their ninth grade girl and their, uh, uh, their 18-year-old son. They went down to Tegeson Beach. Around Guam, we have a reef that surrounds the island. But you don't want to get next to the edge of the reef because those waters are, are they're just, they're brutal. And those waters and the riptides will take you out. And Caleb, the family was down there at Tegeson and Caleb got next to the edge. Went out into the deep and his dad went in after him. And a fisherman pulled dad out. It's a crazy story. The fisherman, uh, Miss Monette saw a fisherman pull her husband back to safety and he uh, they had to take him to the hospital the fisherman kept the daughter from getting into the deep and then they never saw the fisherman again we don't know who called 911 we've never seen the fisherman never heard from him uh the yappies men in our church say people don't fish there that's not where fishermen are i don't know i know god did something miraculous so they take dad down to the hospital and grmc and the son, they found him about 15 minutes later. They rushed him to the big naval hospital, put him on machines. And I'm telling you, it's one of those days that you just don't know what to do. I take Miss Monette, Sherry and I, we go down to big Navy hospital. They unhook the machines. It was too late for their son. He drowned. And the doctors say, we don't communicate with GRMC. Preacher, will you go to GRMC? Tell dad what happened. And man, I walk in that hospital and... By then, Dad was awake, and he saw me come through the doors of the emergency room, and he just lost it. I just crawled up there in the bed with him and grabbed him and held him. And 
what can you do? But I want you to understand, sometimes the work's tough. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's discouraging. But I'm going to tell you something. It's the greatest work in all the world. What do you see tonight? Do you see a wall? Or do you see rubbish? Number one, keep your focus on the wall. Number two, keep your focus and your hand in the work. Look at the third one. Take your Bible back to Nehemiah chapter number four. Let me just give you this third one here. Number three here. Very, very important. Look at chapter four, verse 19. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, And I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, The work is great and large. We're separated upon the wall, one far from the other. Look at chapter 6, verse number 3. Here's what the Bible says. I sent messengers unto them saying, I'm doing a, what kind of work? A great work. Nehemiah chapter 1 calls it a good work. Chapter 4 says it's great and large. Number 1, keep your focus on the wall. Keep your focus on the work. Number 3, we'll keep it alliterated. Keep your focus on the worth, the value of it. The value of it. I'll say it again. Keep your focus on the value of it. It is a great work. If it's God's work, it's the greatest work in all the world. What do you see tonight? Do you see a wall or do you see rubbish? And if you understand how great it is, it'll keep you going. I know a little bit about this. We lost our son two years ago, 17 years old. I went back to the States, preacher. Or from the States, went back to Guam after the funeral. It's a Saturday night. Two weeks earlier, we had buried our son. I sat down on the couch in our living room. My wife will never forget this. I'll just be quite honest with you. I'm sitting on the couch there, and I'm thinking, Lord, I can't do this. My heart was broken. I was grieving. It hurt. I said, God, I can't even keep it together for my family. How can I preach a sermon to our people tomorrow? My wife walked in. She saw me. She asked me what the problem was, and I explained to her. And here's what she said. She said, hon, Thomas Magomai and his family need a preacher tomorrow. Jerome Racular and his family and those people we reached are going to be in church tomorrow. And they need a preacher tomorrow. And I realize this. The work is greater than any circumstance you face. Listen to me. It's greater than any problem that's presented to you. It's greater than any burden you carry. Because God's work is great, it's large, and it's greater than anything that we're going through. What do you see tonight? Do you see a wall or do you see rubbish? Amen. Keep your focus on the worth. And then number four, I'd point out this. I want you to look down at chapter four. Look down at verse number. Let me figure it out here. Chapter four. Look down at verse number 
20, I believe it is. The Bible says, In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us. Notice the last part. Our God shall fight for us. So keep your focus on the wall. It's a great wall. Keep your focus on the work. Keep your focus on the worth. But more importantly, we'll keep it alliterated. Keep your focus on the warrior that's fighting for you. Amen? The bottom line is, it's not our work, it's God's work. The greatest work in all the world is God's work. He just allows us to be involved in it. Keep your focus and your eyes on the one who's going to make it happen. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the only way your perspective is going to change. So I ask you tonight, what do you see? I get a call from Shirley. Shirley is Jerome's oldest daughter. Preacher, she called me on a Saturday. It's my birthday. She said, Pastor, it's time. Can you please get here? I get to the place where Mr. Jerome was. He's laying in the middle of the floor, just one room there. He's laying on a mat. He's taking his last breaths. He's just laying there, and I walk in, and where his head is at the top is Avino, his oldest son. Next to Avino is Avino's wife, Bertie. Their children, Stassen, Lillian, their youngest, Braden, at that time. Next to them is Jenny, another daughter, her husband, Steve. Their three girls, December, born in December, January, born in January, May, born in May. Steven's there, George is there, Jolene is there, the female version of Teven. <laughs> Tina's there, Veronica, Jerome's wife is holding his hand, Tina is her sister, her daughter, Joni's there, her son, Chester's there, the other brother, Elvis, is there, he's alive. Avino said, Pastor, read us some scripture. So I opened the Bible and began to read scripture. I read scripture for a while, and then Miss December played the ukulele, and we'd sing for a while. Then I'd read more scripture. About 2 o'clock in the morning, Jerome took his last breath, went to glory. And I counted in that room 24 people, 21 who'd been saved and baptized, all because of Jerome. I'm glad I saw a wall. The other preacher said, I can't pick you up. He saw rubbish. But I saw a wall. What do you see tonight? When it comes to missions, do you just see rubbish, wasted time, wasted money? Or do you see a wall of beauty, of protection, of grace, of revitalization? What do you see tonight? A wall or rubbish? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would change our perspective tonight. Lord, may we see 